0: This is Gunnar Asias, and then you are listening to Breathe In, a Cystic Fibrosis Podcast presented by the Boomer Esiason Foundation and GunnarSiason.com. This podcast series has been made possible by Vertex, Novartis, DCU, and Atlantic Health. Reviews expressed on Breathe In, a Cystic Fibrosis Podcast are that of Gunnar Esiason, Leah Ferrone, Tiffany Rich, and guests, and are not necessarily those of the Boomer Esiason Foundation. Nothing in this podcast series should be considered medical advice. Such advice can only be given by a physician who's experienced with cystic fibrosis. The Boomer Esiason Foundation, Gunnar and Leah Farone, Tiffany Rich, and guests cannot be held responsible for any damage which may result from using the information on this podcast without the permission of your medical doctor. You're listening to Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast. All right, Gunnar Esaias here for the first ever Breathe In podcast. I'm here with my co-hosts, Leah Farone and Tiffany Rich, otherwise known as the Salty (laughs) Sisters, Instagram famous people. Uh, There you go. Yeah, Leah, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself before we get going here?
1: So my name is Leah Farone. I'm 27 years old. I live in Baltimore, Maryland. I was diagnosed with CF at the age of three. I currently work as a nurse. I absolutely love slogs. They're my favorite animal. I would love to meet one one day. Um, I started Salty Sisters almost a year ago. We're almost at our one-year anniversary with Tiff. Um, So, Tiff, you want to tell people a little bit about you? Yeah, I'm Tiffany Rich. I
2: am 28 years old, and I live in Northern California, Brentwood. Um, And I just had a double lung transplant in November, and I was diagnosed at birth with cystic fibrosis, and I'm obsessed with Taylor Swift.
0: Taylor Swift. I love her. Maybe one day we'll get her on the podcast. That could be a long-term goal of ours. Goal. Just like
2: that would that would be.
0: <laughs> Just like a goal for Leah is meeting a sloth. Ever. That's a that's yes. A, that's... We can
2: have a sloth and Taylor
1: Swift. Maybe I'll, I'll have the
0: one of set one, one day. <laughs> so weird. All right. You
1: know, we so let's right.
0: so, let's get on topic here. Uh, today, guys, I want to talk about back to school in September. Uh, the school years are st- the school year is starting. Uh, the kids are going back to school, whether they like it or not. Uh, Kids of all ages, really. I wish I was going back to college, but I'm not. Here we are doing this instead. I know Uh, we're real people. Yes, we are real (laughs) old people. Yes, real adulting people.
1: Hashtag
0: adulting. Leah, why don't you start us off?
1: Um, All right, so going back to school. I remember when I was growing up with CF, going back to school, I was like any other kid, really didn't want to go back. You know, summer was my thing. Um, And I never really viewed myself differently than other people, so... I don't really feel like CF influence going back to school whatsoever. I remember when I was in third grade, I changed schools. So I went to an all girls school and then my parents are like, oh, we're transitioning you to Catholic school with boys. Okay. (laughs) Big deal. I ended up just being friends with all these dudes rather than any of the girls. So there's that. Um, So, you know, go to a new school and like girls at the age of like, however old you are in third grade, I guess you're like eight or something like that. Yeah. Rumors, okay? And they're like, oh my God, Leah changed schools because her her parents couldn't afford her to, like, for her to go here anymore. And I'm like, what? Like, that wasn't it. You know, my sister was still going there. And um, they're like, yeah, she needed, like, these new machines to help her breathe and stuff like that. And that wasn't a thing. Like, I'm no. still doing everything the same. So it was just kind of funny that, like, that was a thing. You know that people were saying at that age, but honestly, like, never viewed myself any different. Had tons of friends; they never thought of me any differently. Um, yeah, I mean, it was always a good experience. The change of school
0: yeah. must have been weird at such a young age. I, I never, was, I know? never really went through that. I, I actually went to the same school all the way from like, I guess, I guess it's called preschool these days, from preschool yeah. Yeah. through uh, eighth grade, and then once I got to eighth grade, I then switched to like a different high school. So um, I. I you know?
1: Did you go to, like, public school, private school? I
0: actually actually did private school. I did private school all the way, basically all the way through. I did uh, private, like, lower school, middle school, and we called it upper school, like, (laughs) 7th and 8th grade. That's, like, what everyone calls middle school.
1: I think that's a private school thing because we called it that, too. And then
0: I did – I actually went to a Quaker high school, oddly enough. Oh, that's cool. Uh, Yeah, so it was pretty cool. It was kind of like Quaker values, things like that. Um, You know, I think when I – I think my parents put me in private school for – A few different reasons one being one obviously being my health i think they felt like they could control my health and the people around me uh in a private Mm -hmm. school setting rather than a public school setting where you're kind of in there with a bunch of other kids and stuff like that um and another reason was because my dad obviously played in the nfl we were moving around a lot um Mm -hmm. and we they kind of just settled on this this one little private school here in new york uh, and, and at the time I liked it it was you know it was a good little experience i think looking back it would have been nice to go to school with more than 30 kids in my grade but at the same oh my time gosh,
1: is that small? that's really uh, small uh, yeah it was
0: really that's tiny for so me
1: with yeah. like private
0: school yeah my high school my, wow. was, my was a lot bigger but my yeah my little like you know middle school or whatever it was we were pretty small and i think my parents felt pretty comfortable with me there because my health was contained and you know they they kind of let <laughs> me do other things Um, you know one big thing that I remember doing when I you know always went back to school or or whatever was that I was actually allowed to carry my pills around you know a lot of a lot of times these days for whatever reason kids aren't allowed to do that they don't Uh, and I felt like when I you know when I would go to lunch or recess or snack time or whatever it was I, you know, I had my pills with me. I didn't have to go to the nurse or do anything sort of like that because it it would take me out of my, out of my daily, you know, normalcy, I I guess. I feel
1: like that also like kind of helps normalize CF because I know like Mm -hmm. with me, with private school, my parents kind of decided the same exact thing. Like they could financially afford to send me to private school. Actually, the public school in our area burned down that I was supposed to go to. So that meant that I would have had to go to a different public school every year and they're like. She has enough going on, you know what I mean? No. We don't need that. We can't contain anything that way. So they sent me to private school, all girls, you know, super fun. Um, And then when they transitioned me to private Catholic school, I mean, it was a little bit of a different vibe. Like the first year they made me go to the nurse to take my pills. And like when you're a kindergartner and people are letting you take your pills by yourself and then suddenly in fourth grade, they're like, oh, hey, You have to go to someone to watch you take these. It was a little bit weird for me. Yeah, definitely. People are like, "Oh, where are you going?" And I'm not ready to tell people I have CF. So yeah, I remember. I definitely think doing it yourself and like having that independence early on is key. Yeah, I remember I had my pills out
2: when I was at um, lunchtime, and one of the yard duty saw, and they were like, "Why, "Why do you have those?" Like they kind of question me. And I was like, I'm allowed to have them like the nurse knows and everybody, but they made me go to the office. And I was just like, Whoa, I'm allowed. And they're like, yeah, she's allowed to have them and stuff. I know. And it's kind of like these days, I think they um, are more cautious about it because who, you know, the other kids and stuff. There's, a, there's also but so much
0: liability these days. That's, I think exactly. that's, I think that's the ultimate problem.
2: And right. yeah, so I just remember that. And then, um, then them be, like have it, being able to have my pills in class and do snacks and be able to do my inhaler when I needed it and them being perfectly fine. And was I was, in private, uh, I was in, in private school. I was in public school all my whole grade school life. So um, they got used to me.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I think that's the other yeah. thing, too. Like, when the administration gets used to you and understands what you're going through and they can see that you're exactly. a competent person with cystic fibrosis or disability, you know, they start, to, they start to open up to you a little bit more. You know, I think it's probably a little bit of a, a frightening thing for, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for, for kids to be walking around with, you know, pills or medications or whatever because, like we said, there is a little bit of a liability there. But at the same time, you know, we always talk about trying to be more inclusive of people with disabilities and, and things mm-hmm. like that. And I think I find it so strange that the schools these days, they they, they for for whatever reason they, they feel like they're bending over backwards to help these kids with disabilities. But in my opinion, they're they're not really doing a good job of it. You know, they're making these kids feel not different. Enough. Like they're making them go to the nurse. They make them yep. sign up for different classes. They make them they do things away from their you know their peers. And a lot of the right. a lot of the way it's it's like a, kind of like a backward system. Of,
2: it's like an isolation in a way, like you're kind of isolating them in a way like showing like they have they have special needs like needs that they're for different certain things people. like different yeah exactly like yeah that's how i see it
1: like and i mean as i know from my experience when i was younger i wasn't like oh hey i have cf i know that i never really told people you know what i mean especially mm-hmm. when i transitioned into a new school you know i never viewed myself differently and i honestly i don't think it even dawned on me until a later age, probably during that transition, that I was different from other people, you know. Like right. I kind of grew up thinking everyone does these treatments, everyone that's, takes these meds, that's you know. And I then was. one day, kind of clicks exactly. in your head, and I'm like, "Oh wait, everyone doesn't do this." i like, not. "That's fine," you know. Like yeah, you take ownership of it and you do what you have to do, but you know, I don't know. Yeah, but... I was
2: the same way. I thought everybody did treatments. I thought everybody <laughs> did pills. I was like, "Oh, okay." You know, because that's all we know. That's all we know. And right. when you go and see people not doing it, and you're like, oh, okay, all right. I'm 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 a little different, but that's fine. So, see, that's very right. interesting
0: because I had a totally different experience. My, You know, I knew that I was different from day one simply because of the way right. my, my parents, I guess, normalized the disease for me. You know, the way they did that was by basically making my treatment time or whatever, like, you know, active care of my cystic fibrosis, they made that a social time. So what they did was... If I was ever doing treatments, they would always invite someone new to the, to the room or if I had my friends over, they always made sure that I did my treatments in front of my friends so that my friends or peers or, you know, distant family members or whomever else was around learned about cystic mm-hmm. fibrosis by seeing me actually perform the medications, the treatments and stuff like that from a very young age, from, you know, from as long as I can remember, someone was always in there with me. While I was doing mm-hmm. my treatments, or someone was preparing my pills for me at a young age, it was, and it wasn't always my mom. For example, it was, it was, it was sort of like a a community. I want to, I don't want to say a community effort, but it was a a larger right. support system than just my my parents.
1: Right. I mean, I think that's important though too, and I think every person's different, and some people are going to want that, other people aren't. I know different people I talk to with CF half are still at a point like later in life where they're not comfortable telling people, and then others are kind of like us, you know, like we broadcast yeah. it everywhere. So, you know, it I, just depends on the person. Yeah,
0: you know, I, I do think it it goes a long way when people do outwardly share their cystic fibrosis with the world. And the reason I say that mm-hmm. is because it builds the support system, right? You know, we have right. a, we have we have a you know, an, an inherent support system which is our parents or our siblings or you know, immediate family members or boyfriends, girlfriends, whomever. But the support Mm -hmm. system has to expand outside of that as we get older through life.
1: Totally.
0: You know, when you go to and when you go to Mm -hmm. you know, grammar school or middle school or whatever, you know, the the next immediate person that is there for the kid is the school nurse. That's the the next person in the sports system that knows a little Mm -hmm. bit about C F and can react if there's an emergency or whatever, then there's the teacher. But I I think it's just as important for little kids with C F to have their friends on board. Mm -hmm. I I I think you mm -hmm. need that. Oh totally. Yeah,
2: you definitely do.
0: And I and I, I told I told the story on a blog post uh, not too long ago where I was I think I was in first or second grade I was on probably one of my first ever pick lines I was doing home care and I was remember the razor scooters mm-hmm. everyone had one yeah this so is, I I remember I, them yeah so I was on <laughs> I was on a razor scooter and I was you know screwing around with some of my friends we all had our little razor scooters or whatever and mm-hmm. I had a pick line in my arm and I fell off my razor scooter I scraped my arm right where my pick line was the bandage came flying off and the pick oh. line and the pick line slid out. Uh, and from that point on i I always got my pick line stitched in i I still do to this day from that point. Uh, it was like the grossest thing ever, so from like immediately yeah. having a lot of fun with my friends, I was carted off to the the emergency room and the play date was over right then you know uh, that that was I something mean, that happened and that was like for my yeah, for I my friends know. at like six or seven years old to experience that and then welcome me back into the social group rather than ostracize me it was probably a big moment for me growing up yeah
2: right yeah, that's accepting and knowing that. Um, You have, you have to go do antibiotics. You have to have your tune-ups and stuff. I think that's really important. And like I remember, all my friends would come to the hospital all the time, and their parents would bring them. And you know, they would just sit there and watch a movie with me, and it just meant everything to me. And they understood more seeing me go through it all, and uh, it just made school a lot easier too because they understood.
0: Yeah, that's that's totally right. right. Like I mean, seeing it firsthand, I think is the best educator possible, you know, rather than, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Just you know, talking you know, about it. Exactly. Rather than just talking about it or learning oh, about it on the internet or seeing yeah. a picture or whatever. Yeah. You know, actually seeing somebody go through the trials and tribulations that come along with cystic fibrosis goes a lot further, I think, than, mm-hmm. you know, just passively discussing it.
1: For sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. like when you tell someone I do X amount of treatments a day and they have no idea what that means. I mean, they yeah, have they don't... no clue. And oh. then my favorite is, like, the first time someone new in your life or whatever sees you do treatments and their facial expression is just priceless. Is wow. The best is the like, best one this every day? Yeah, the best. Yeah. And then you start talking about it. The and best like, one. You think nothing of it and yeah. you sound ridiculous. Yeah, and they just laugh. They're like, oh, say something, say something. <laughs> I know. I answer my phone a lot when I'm like, on the best. And people are like, yeah. Help. You're doing right now.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know. I. I, Go ahead. No. Go ahead.
2: Oh, I was just saying they don't understand how long of a process it is. Oh yes. You can tell them like you know I do this, this, and this, but they don't understand how much of a chunk of the day it is. Like it's right your whole day in a way.
1: Right.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways, it it dominates your life. I don't want to say you know I don't want to say it takes over your life, but. In a lot of ways, we always say that CF doesn't define us. We, you know, we define ourselves. But in, in a certain way, it, it does to an extent. You know, it, your days are, are are basically anchored with your treatment sessions. You know, you're doing a treatment session right when you wake up, and then right before you go to bed. You know, those are the two anchors of your day. And without those two mm-hmm, anchors, right. you know, unfortunately, you're not going to probably won't survive very long. You know, so I, exactly. I think, you know, it, it is a very defining trait for us living with mm-hmm. cystic fibrosis and you know, see, you know, allowing people to see what goes into that, I think is such an important thing.
1: Right. And I think a lot of times I tell people that yes, CF doesn't necessarily define who we are. I mean, I do think it shaped me into who I am today, which I am grateful for. But I also think, um, just, it gives you a type of drive in life that I don't know if I necessarily would have had. And I tell people, you know, like, I can accomplish anything a normal person can, but I have to go about it differently. And when I go about it differently, that means in the morning, yeah, I might have to wake up two or three hours earlier than the average person in order to be successful, do my vest, do my nebulizers, do different types of airway clearance to make sure I'm successful throughout the day and I can be like just just like anyone else. That- and I know in school, that meant at mm-hmm. the, an early age of like four, yeah, most kids would be waking up ten minutes before they have to leave. I'm waking up at mm-hmm. like five a.m.
0: Exactly. Know? See and that that was that it's interesting to bring that up. When I was uh, in high school, when I first got to high school, uh, I I I my high school was like thirty minutes away from where I lived, so it was basically a thirty minute commute for me in the morning. So I had to wake up at the crack of dawn, do my treatments, and then get to high school. Right. Once I got to high school, they all of a sudden were like, you know what, you know, they they recognize that. My health was very much dependent on my rest, my longevity, how I was doing in all aspects of life, not just my academic life. They were like, you know, you're we we provide accommodations for students with disabilities. And they basically told us they were like, you know, if you need to take some extra time in the morning to do your treatments or whatever. You, know, you don't necessarily have to come to our morning homeroom meeting. You can show up just when class starts. Right. And that bought me an extra half hour, 45 minutes every morning. So
2: instead
0: of waking up like in the, at, the, at the ass crack of dawn, you know, I was able yeah. to wake up, you know, a little later in the day, get, get more sleep as our bodies demanded, do my treatments and then show up, you know, right around the time class was starting instead of, you know, getting there at 730 when all my friends were.
2: Yeah, right. they allowed me to... Um, senior year they allowed me to not have a first period because I had enough credits so they said you know you can just take off the morning and just do your treatments do whatever you need to do and then just come for second period and do all your other classes which was so helpful I I you know I was able to eat a lot more and then uh, do all my treatments do my vest just kind of a calm morning rather than rushing around like usual you know
0: I, you know, I think in order to get benefits like this and to invoke the Americans with Disabilities Act like we sort of were in these situations, you, know, you don't want to abuse that power. You want to no. sort of use it in a productive way. Exactly To to help you get through your high school day Or your middle school day For me you know Mm -hmm. high school days were were brutally long Marathon days Because you're you're in class all day Then you have sports after school for like 2 or 3 hours And then you gotta come home And then you know who knows how much homework The kids get so much homework these days I mean I thought they they were doing hours of homework
2: Even in kindergarten
1: Really?
2: Yeah I was A a kindergartner and then homework (laughs) Oh, like, that's
1: gross! They, what should be is kids this? Fun. Like, they should
2: be yeah, they
1: should be outside playing. I feel like kids don't go outside. They like play on apps and, oh, like, iPads yeah. and stuff. Oh, they should be outside. When I have children; they won't let me have them, but you know, no. <laughs> um,
0: they they will as soon as they start to annoy you.
1: Yeah, right. Like, oh, here you go. Yeah. That's what I feel like most parents
0: do. But whatever, cool. <laughs> it's cool. <easy>. Um, <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I know. I think
0: you know. Ultimately. Yeah, you know, like going back to this Americans with Disabilities Act thing, you know, it's it's right. something that you have to use productively, right? Mm-hmm. And the way that I Definitely. got as as I got older, I started to understand the intricacies of it and things like where I could use it in different ways. And uh, towards the end of my high school years, when I was starting to apply to college and I was going to go through the you know the SAT exam, the ACT exam, those things, right. you know, I, I found that the Americans with Disabilities Act came as a helpful thing for me you know it basically mm-hmm. you know allowed me to have accommodations during standardized testing that allowed me to be on a level playing field with my peers you know one thing that i could do I, was that i could bring yeah. i could bring snack and and drink into the testing center with me and eat and drink during the exam itself so that right. you know i could keep my energy up i you know could stay focused on the exam things like that You know, because i remember the first few times that i took the you know the as if I took it a hundred times because I just couldn't do it right but you know the first time the first or second time I took the the SAT the ACT I actually fell asleep during the test because I had mono and I just I was so sick and it was horrendous and basically the uh, the counselor at my high school recommended these accommodations and they ended up going a long way for me
1: no it's true I feel like I didn't realize how to utilize those accommodations until later in life um because when I got to college, I mean, college is great because you can you have control of your schedule. You can pick classes later in the day. You can do night classes. You can do stuff like that. So you have those mornings to rest more, do your treatments, focus on, you know, doing what you have to do. Um, but when I got to nursing school, that wasn't really an option, especially because I did accelerated nursing school. So that meant that I'm doing like four years of school in 17 months and I'm trying to fight CF at the same time, okay. you know. Um, clearly I wasn't thinking things through, oh. but it all worked <laughs> out and it was fine. And I, <laughs> hey, hey. my lung function stayed the same all throughout. So it, it, it was good. But, um, when I got to nursing school, that's kind of when I realized, you know, I would need accommodations. Like, you hmm. know, the school that I went to was pretty strict. They were like, you know, you'd go into an exam and you couldn't have a water bottle. You couldn't have any, anything to eat or whatever. And if you're taking a two or three hour exam, I mean, like, You know, girlfriend is going to cough and she's going to need something to drink. So I also, all of the tests were like at 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. And I'm like, you know, trying to do all my treatments and get myself awake enough and like breathing to be able to be successful. (laughs) So they kind of were like, okay, you can take your test in a different room a little bit later Mm -hmm. in the day. That way you can have something to drink. You can have something to eat. You don't have to wake up at 4 a.m. every day, which is what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I can wake up at 6, you know what I mean, which is a little bit nicer. Um, So definitely I feel like it's important to kind of figure out how you can use those accommodations a lot earlier in life. I kind of wish I would have, but, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to learn something in the hard way.
0: It's it's interesting you bring that up, like the separate testing room. I actually did the separate testing room in certain classes in college. Like if I got sick or whatever, and I started coughing, not only would it irritate me, but it would irritate everyone else in the class. Right. Yeah. So, I like, 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 you know, people, exactly. And and one of the professors actually, was one of the more pro, it was kind of a kind of a weird professor actually, but he was one of the more proactive guys that was uh, you know at at Boston College as far as you know helping me deal with my CF in a my CF in a productive way during college, and he he came up to me during one of the exams. He was like, you know what, we can put you in a different room so you can you know don't have to feel self conscious about coughing. You don't have to hold it back. You can just let it go because you right. know it's it's obviously he could see that it was getting to me and i was like you know what that's actually a great idea you know i'll go into a different yeah. room that's fine and and i did that and it was very productive um and i but i think I this
1: i like a calmer atmosphere you know totally. what i mean yeah like sometimes i feel like when i would get nervous for things or mm-hmm. felt pressure i would cough more so right. you already have that chronic cough it's <laughs> it's a a nervous bit worse tick. you're a little bit older and yeah, then yeah, here
0: i am I'm really nervous cough up a <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, you know, well, I mean, I, I, so. I think I think this like I think it sort of inversely relates to how we were talking about in the beginning where, you know, accommodations that schools were thinking about doing were isolating people. I think this is like a situation where a person with a disability like cystic fibrosis would prefer right. to be isolated because it's taking mm-hmm. some pressure off. You know, not like yeah. making a kid it's, it's it's very different than making a kid go to the nurses to the nurse, nurse's office to exactly. get his enzymes before he goes to lunch. Yeah. It's this is a very different concept.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, and I and think CF changes as you get older. So yeah, I, I don't think people necessarily think about this right off the bat. Like a lot of times I hear from people, oh, you're so lucky you got diagnosed so early because you were able to kind of, it would normalize it for you. And you're able to kind of cope with that. But what people fail to realize is where I was when I was three years old versus where I am at 27 is completely different. Mm-hmm. My life so is different. totally different. And mm-hmm. I've had to kind of adjust and accommodate to that. And I feel like you have to do mm-hmm. the same thing in terms of school when you're going through that so
2: yeah so when I was at school I was on oxygen and I had the concentrator and it was really loud and I felt so bad in class using it because I felt like I was disrupting everybody I'm like these people are paying to go to class and everything and I'm here with my loud machine (laughs) trying you know living but you know trying to do the same thing but I felt so like I don't know. I felt bad. And, um, the, you know, everybody was so nice about it. They were like, no, no, you know, it's okay. Um, but for testing, they would do the same thing for me. They were like, okay, we have a room for you. Um, you can have your oxygen. You do whatever you need. Right. We have it for you. And it was just so helpful because then I didn't feel like I was disrupting anybody, you know? Right. And I felt, Yeah.
1: I think that's a large thing that we go through having CF, or at least I know I have, is just guilt, and it's mm-hmm. solely like you feel like you're you're inconveniencing everyone. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like when you have to miss something, or you have to miss a test and make it up, or oh yeah, definitely. No, you're coughing through class. You know, you feel kind of mm-hmm. guilty because you're like, oh, I'm disrupting everyone around me. You know, and I don't think yeah. everyone necessarily looks at you that way, but it's just something you internally feel.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, it is, so. it is that is a very weird sensation, and I I felt that more more so in college. Like when you're you're supposed to do group projects right. or whatever. And oh, I remember man. I was assigned to do a group project with one of my really good friends. I think it was, you know, junior or senior year, and we were partnered together. And she, you know, we we had basically started the started the project, whatever. And in the middle, uh, like like three or four days later, in the middle of the whole project period, the, the amount of time that we were allotted to do the project. I was hospitalized with pneumonia for a week, right? right. So the day yeah. I got back to school, or really like the day or two that I got back to school was right before, um, you know, right before the project was due. So, you know, right. I I, I, knew, I knew I put her in a bad situation. I knew I put the class in a bad situation. And I knew I put the, the teacher in a bad situation. I felt horribly about it. And I, you know, I had been communicating with my professor while I was in the hospital. I was like, listen, I'm on oxygen. I, <laughs> you know, who knows what I'm going to be able to get out of this. You know, I, I've... I've really never been this sick before in my entire life, yet here I am, you know, just right. tied to a hospital bed, and unfortunately, so I can't give you more of an update. And she, I will say to her credit, the professor, uh, you know, the professor was very was very good about it. She, she understood what was going on, and the reason being is because right before, you know, the college class, I started like every one of my other college classes, I handed the professor a note signed by one of the deans. Right. That mm-hmm. was showing how I was invoking the Americans with Disabilities Act, exactly. and she understood what was going on and you know the day I got back for the the project, the teacher was like, "You know gunner, if you can just talk for you know thirty seconds to a minute about you know what the project you know goal was when you were before you got sick, this that and the other thing." And uh, so that's exactly what I did, and I ended up d- getting a decent grade. You know, I obviously didn't get an A. Right. My partner got right. a different grade. Yeah,
1: g- you don't need an A. I mean, I <laughs> yeah. my,
0: my partner got. A different- I was
1: a perfectionist, and yeah. it, it really doesn't do much for you at the end of yeah. the day.
0: Exactly, and my my, my partner ended enough. up with like a, I think my partner ended up getting an A because the professor understood that she had to carry the load of the project right. by herself, oh, and, right. and I ended up with a B, and I, mean, I was totally fine with that yeah, because I understood that I you know I didn't do my part of the of the whole thing. Right,
1: right. and I think. In college, what I realized is having an advocate on campus, usually one of the deans, it really goes a long way in terms of having teachers get on board because Mm -hmm. a lot of teachers are accommodating and they do get on board right away. But I had experiences where every so often I would have one that was like, look, you look amazing. I don't buy it. You know, like it doesn't matter what I hand them. They just don't care, you know, Mm -hmm. and that happened occasionally. It wasn't a regular thing, but it is important to kind of have an advocate there for you to kind of be like, look, this is a situation at hand. You need to adhere to it, you know? Yeah. I remember,
2: so. I remember one class, I had to go in the hospital and I emailed him. He knew that I had CF cause I had my, um, the disabilities lady. She sent out letters to everybody and had them sign it and stuff. And I went in for, I think one or two weeks and he told me that I wouldn't pass the class because I was out and stuff, and I was like, "Let me take the test, and I'll show you." And mm-hmm. I showed him. I showed him, and he was like, "Yeah, okay, all right." I'm very impressed with you. I'm like, "This isn't my first rodeo. Like, uh, I'm used to this, so like, right. you know." And it's it's very helpful to get a note taker too. That's what I for me. Oh yeah, um, they were game changers. Yeah, those were game yeah. changers
1: because you know what I, I did. In nursing school, I got to the point where I was so exhausted from how early I was getting up at Mm -hmm. 4 a.m. every day that I decided some of my friends, they would record the class anyways. So they (laughs) would go to class, record the whole thing. They would send it to me. I would type up Mm -hmm. literally every word the person said and then send it to everyone. So that way we were kind of helping each other out. And that worked pretty well yeah. for me, you know, because we yeah. were taking attendance, so it didn't that, that, matter. That's,
0: that's the classic college, like, lifestyle, just figure, figuring, <laughs> uh-huh. out, figuring out figuring figuring yeah. out, which classes are optional and which ones aren't.
1: Exactly. <laughs> all right. don't so, get all that money, you don't go.
0: Yeah, yeah, all right, and now, matter. so with that, we're sort we're of running out of time here, guys, so I want to <laughs> sort of tie this up. Uh, this has been the first episode of the Breathing Podcast. Remember, we're going to be back weekly uh, on both iTunes and YouTube, com. Uh, You can follow us on the Salty Sisters Instagram account. We are going to be doing, I think, maybe our own Instagram account. We're still sort of TBD there. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you want to get in touch with us, why don't you tell the folks how they can get in touch with uh, the Salty Sisters?
1: All right. So on Instagram, we're at Salty and then Sisters, C-Y-S-T-E-R. Um, you can direct message us on there or you can also email us at salty sisters at gmail.com.
0: Yes. Well, and can, we're
1: on
2: Facebook too.
0: Okay. Facebook as yes. well. All right. And you can yes. and you guys also have an Etsy store too, right? We do. Okay. So. And it's
2: Salty Sisters is the shop name.
0: Okay. So. Salty Sisters on Etsy. Make sure you do that. You can follow me uh, on Twitter. You can also get me on... What else am I on? Instagram, Facebook. And if you want to... Get in touch with me. You can email me at GunnersBlog at Asaias.org or send me a message on Facebook or, or slide into my DMs, really, wherever you want. And right. it, it, there you go. And we will discuss a topic of your choosing. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our first episode of the Breathing Podcast, and I hope you stick with it. Thanks for listening.
1: Okay. Bye.